0: Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein.
1: So, let's go ahead and get started. Eric, uh, hey, Paul, nice to have you here, buddy. Um, Eric is here. Um, Eric has a question and his question is, knowing the goal is to switch all the fingers simultaneously, should the baseline finger or index be placed first when learning the C major? Some of us started with the three string C. Okay, it's a great question. Now again, all I can do is offer you insight into the way I teach and the things that I talk about, but that doesn't always mean that they're all going to be Correct, you gotta figure out what works for you, which is some of the other questions that we'll be getting into, um, as well as some other questions that people had about certain things that they're finding frustrating. Now, for those of you that have met me, I know I've met Paul and some of the rest of you. I'm I'm five foot two, okay, so on a good day. So my hands are very, very small. So when I learned how to play, it was really important for me to, to do what I could, you know, my my friends, I, I needed to make sure I could do what they could do. I didn't want to have this limitation because I had small hands and I couldn't play guitar and I couldn't do things like that. And so I think, you know, the biggest thing is just trying to figure out what works for you. What I try and tell students about chords, for instance, is it doesn't really matter which chord we're looking at. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Angelo. Um, so... What I tell people is if you think about it, like if we take a C chord, for instance, or a G chord or a D chord or whatever it might be, I try not to get people to get too involved in, well, moving from this chord to this chord, although it does happen, right? I mean, if you look at, a, for instance, a four-finger G and you wanna go to the four-finger C, there's no doubt that you wanna show the, the commonality and the simplicity of moving from this chord to this chord, right? I mean, it, it's obvious. But oftentimes you might be on G and you need to go to D or you're on G and you need to go to B minor or something like that where the shift is very vast. They're not the same at all. So instead of always looking for shortcuts, and I know this isn't your question, but I will get to it. The trick for me is, is teaching people to know something on an absolute level. Like in, and this will answer some of the other questions that we've had too in here. But I just really want you guys to understand this because it's so important. You can't use what you don't really know. You can't use what you can't really play. You can't use something that you've, you've you know, touched on. You can't use that. My, my daughter's upstairs right now and my wife is, is working with her on math. She's in fifth grade. There are some concepts that she just doesn't get, right? So trying to explain some sort of easy workaround isn't really going to work. She's not gonna be able to to be able to stack on top of that concept until she really understands that first concept. So here's my point. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a mode or a, a scale or a lick or a speed pattern or a chord, okay? The, the most important thing is, is that if you're going to try and use it, you've gotta know it absolute, okay? You've gotta be on an absolute level with it, which for me means, number one, you've gotta be able to see it in your head, right? If you And it doesn't matter if it's a chord. It doesn't matter if it's a group of chords like a progression. It doesn't matter if it's a song, which is a bunch of sections, right? Or a solo or whatever. If you can't see it in your head, or at least see the path of movement of that particular thing, you're not going to be able to play it anyway. You're going to get lost, which is another person's question about performing live and forgetting everything. Hey, buddy. JD. Hey, Joe. Hey, John. Hey, everybody. So the trick is... <clears throat> is knowing something absolutely. So if you wanna play, for instance, the C chord, okay? The way you learn it absolutely is you see it in your head. The second thing that you do is you practice large amounts of what I refer to as bouncing, which is training your hand from no response to the required response, right? Nothing to chord. So it isn't one finger, one finger, one finger, or in any case, Okay? That doesn't mean again that some chords are going to require some semblance of building. But if you've got to build it, chances are you don't have it yet, okay? And don't get frustrated by that. I'm just I'm being completely honest with you. When you learn how to do something on an absolute level, you can use it. You can play it, you can play it with confidence. And again, it doesn't matter what that thing is, okay? But you've got to you've got to understand that idea. So if I've got a C chord, I wanna be able to make that C chord in one movement by practicing bouncing. Now, bouncing for me is picking the fingers up and setting them down. And it's not doing it five times or 20 times or 50 times. It's just doing it as needed. There's no speed to this. Again, as humans, we try to make everything into a speed exercise, like how fast can we do something? And it, it shouldn't always be about that. It should be, do I comprehend? Am I able to send the signals from my brain to my fingers and get it to respond the way I need it to? Once I can do that, then I can start increasing the speed. But trying to, hey, Rich, but trying to do that prior isn't going to help me. It's just going to confuse me. Okay, it's, it's not going to make it any better. And then if I get around other people or whatever, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to get nervous and it's not going to work, right? So you practice bouncing. Okay, when I want D, and I do this in my guitar classes, I teach a a little guitar class out here in in the little town that I live in now. Um, And uh, I always tell everybody in the class, if you can beat me on making the chord, I'll buy you a pizza. And I absolutely would. Of course, they're beginners, so I I have a bit of an advantage and I get to count. But, you know, it makes them laugh and and that sort of thing. But what we do is everybody sits and they put their hand on their lap and I'll say, okay, we're going to make a D chord and I'm going to count to three. And then we go one, two, three, and we make the chord. And you'll see a lot of people when they try and do that, what they'll do is go like this. And they'll try and run up there as fast as possible, but they have nothing built, so then they've gotta create it. Well, it almost would be faster just to lift it up and build it as you're going slower than trying to run up there and then try and figure it out once you get there, you see? So, hey Gary, hey Mary. Um, so hopefully that makes sense to you. So. I try and do each one individually, then you can start bouncing collectively, you can move G to C, or G to D, or D to A, or whatever, but again, and I don't mean this negatively at all, but don't be a hero, it isn't about, I know 483 chords, who cares, if you can't use them, who cares, right, you could learn 10 chords and be really, really good at this guitar, versus knowing 483 chords that you don't really know unless you got your book with you, and time to look them up, and all that sort of thing. You gotta, you know, start slow and build this thing. You know, that's that's one of my biggest things that I wish for, for every guitar player on the planet is they'd understand that it isn't as bad as they think it is. They're just always setting themselves up for failure by trying to do so much all the time with just ridiculous expectations because the magazines or the teachers or their friends or society is telling them that they're supposed to be doing certain things and they're supposed to be at a certain level to be considered good or whatever that means, right? I, I just, I don't fall into that category. I think the biggest thing is trying to find what works for you. And the older I get, the more I realize it has nothing to do with any one thing, like how crazy your chords can be or how fast you are, or how many arpeggios, you know, or they're all great. All that stuff is wonderful. I love studying all of it, but it's not one thing that makes you, a uh, a good player that on the last day of your life, you're going to go, wow, that was a really great, you know, it's putting it all together and making music. This is what I did want to say to everybody on this today. I was thinking about this guitar playing. Isn't just soloing. It's not just chords. It's songwriting. It's learning to sing and play at the same time. It's getting together with friends. I, I, um, I play with a a group of friends in church on Saturday mornings. We don't go Sunday mornings. We go Saturday mornings. And, um, All the time we'll go through, you know, we'll rehearse a little bit and then we'll start just jamming and playing through all kinds of different stuff. And I just, I love jamming. I just do. I love performing. I love all those kinds of things, but I love just playing with people. It's just a lot of fun. Um, So I want you to think about that. Okay. Just think about that as you're, as you're practicing just in general, you know, don't always, you know, go, I need seven minutes of this and four minutes of this and nine minutes of this and start really trying to figure out what you need to be happy with this instrument and you'll just enjoy the journey a whole lot more, okay? So, uh, Bruce says, I have a new Fender Strat, American Professional, congratulations, with single coils. I'm used to playing Ibanez with humbuckers, so the volume and sustain on the B and E strings is much lower than I'd like. Here, I gotta move this over. Oh my goodness gracious, something fell upstairs. I've tried adjust, (laughs) I've tried adjustments but still lacks the punch I want. What do you recommend? I've been considering Seymour Duncan hot rails. Yeah. And EMG makes them. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, is, is trying to Bruce. The most important thing is, is finding the pickup that's going to suit the tone that you're looking for, because it's very easy to swap out a single coil for a humbucker in a single coil size. And there's all kinds of choices that you could get out there that that's going to enhance that. Um, Fishman has got some new pickups out too that are, are supposed to be quite amazing. Um, but there's there's just so many. You know, there's the usuals, the EMG and Seymour Duncan and and all those things. Obviously, I'm an EMG guy, but that means nothing. You know, it's, it's trying to find what works best for you. But if you find that you're not getting enough volume or sustain, changing the pickup very much could help. But also be aware that maybe your pickup positioning needs to be raised a little bit, or maybe the string needs to be lowered a little bit. You know, have somebody take a look at those pickups and see what's going on with that to make sure it's not just some sort of a a mechanical problem that you might be having or, you know, like I run my my pickups very close to my strings. I run them very, very close. That's how I've always played them. But, uh, you know, start with some of that stuff first, uh, Bruce, and see if that works for you. So next we've got Jack. Jack says, how can I learn to get the most out of the VIP section? Only been a member for an hour or two. Well, welcome. This question is for the live thing and all of the VIP section. Yeah, yeah. So Jack, the most important thing, what I love about the VIP element, all those videos, is that I make guitar courses that are two hours or three hours or six hours or 10 hours long and they're just mammoth, well, some of them are, um, elements of study, okay? The big thing is, is the VIP is meant to be just the opposite. What you do is you grab a topic of interest or a video that seems like it speaks to you, right? Something that makes sense to where you are on your path. And you just study that. Like, the, the I, I tell this story all the time and we're gonna get to, uh, to playing here too, I promise. but. When I was a kid, I used to buy these videos. They, they were called REH, REH videos. And Paul Gilbert had them, and Chris Impellitteri had them. And there's just all these different wonderful artists, Vinnie Moore and Tony McAlpine, all these guys I loved. And I used to, I lived in a trailer court and I used to mow lawns. So I would mow enough lawns to buy these from my local music store. And they were always 50 bucks. They were 49.95, which takes, at five bucks a lawn, it takes quite a bit of money to, uh, to get one of those. And they were on video, of course, because I'm old. So I would buy one, and then I'd run home, and I'd put it in my VCR, and I'd start trying to work with it. And um, they were usually under 60 minutes, you know? And I would watch the whole video, and then I'd get done and go, I didn't learn anything. I mean, that guy obviously is incredibly good, but I didn't learn anything. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, maybe not years later, but quite a while later, that I realized that I was doing it wrong. What I needed to do was watch it, and when I got to something that made sense in my head right on my fretboard something i stop and i just study that one little piece maybe it's 30 seconds long maybe it's a lick i mean it's just some minute little thing but this is what i this is the way i've lived my life for the last for sure last 10 years of playing if not the last maybe 15 um you know now i studied all my stuff when i was younger you know all that kind of thing but I found that the, the real spicy stuff, the really good stuff that kinda changes you isn't always just this iconic now I understand theory, although that can be amazing and believe me, I'm not downplaying it, I think it's really important. But if you have music theory for life and then you have guitar soloing for life and you have whatever for life, right? And all these things, it's a lot of information. Where if you just chose one of them and go, this is gonna be my primary study for the next year, just this thing. That's all I'm gonna do is study that. Then what I need to, on top of that are just some little elements that keep me inspired and keep me growing and keep me creative. That's what those videos, that's what I learned about those videos. So when I make videos for the, the uh, club, the point of the video is to give you something new to think about. So if you've never gone, you know, or whatever it might be. I mean, it literally could be anything. Or, you know, whatever, whatever the thing might be, or a a topic of conversation, a theoretical topic, a blues idea, a beginner idea, whatever it might be, taking that idea because it makes sense to you. You might watch a couple of them go, nah, that's not, you know, you start just like I did with my videos. You might watch a little bit and go, nah, I'm not, I'm not there. Okay. Maybe someday I'm going to do that, but that's not where I'm at right now. So I'm going to move over here and I'm going to try this. And you find the ones that work for you. And then what you do is you shut everything else down. You know, you might still have your fundamental practice and your theory or whatever it is you got going on, your fretboard study or whatever. But then you take that one thing and you just try and develop it for the month. So don't feel like the only way to get your money's worth is you got to try and plow through as many videos as humanly possible. Because that goes back to the first thing I was saying, where if you just inundate yourself with information, you you really can't absorb and bring anything to an absolute level. So the trick is, is trying to find something cool that you like and then explore it and then start implementing it into what you already do. So the, the, the big thing is, is if you try, like let's say you don't know anything about soloing. You've never soloed in your life. You don't know anything about scales. You're learning three chords. But now you're trying to learn how to solo in Mixolydian. That's, that's a big jump. And it doesn't meet you where you are, right? You got to find the stuff that meets you which is why I'm always trying to make all kinds of different things, not just this or just this style or you know whatever. Just all kinds of different things to kind of meet people where they they are on their journey and go, okay, that's something that I could work with. Because like you know some of the stuff that I've I've been really loving lately that I'm still working on, but is multiple bending, okay? Which I I can call lots of different things. But let's say I was on the 12th fret and I'm going 12, 13, 15. What I like to do sometimes is I'll go. And I'll do them as bends because it sounds different. It's almost like a slide in a way. And that's, the, that's just a kind of playing that I really love. Now, I like all kinds of other things too. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff I like on the fretboard, but it's something that I find really, really interesting. I love bends, I love half-step bends, I love, you know, reverse bends. I love those kind of sounds, and it's nothing, you know, that's gonna take you 10 years to learn how to play, but if you've never done it before, or you've never been introduced to the con- the concept, you wouldn't know it exists. Right? so then you go okay okay i like that little bend idea i think that's really cool okay i'm gonna study this now i don't have to study it in every position in every key in every mode you know because that's the that's human nature right we we got to do it all as far as we possibly can and then all of a sudden we wind up with nothing because we've just buried ourselves inundated ourselves with information again so maybe i just do it in one position on the fretboard right whatever your positions are, like in a scale, right? Maybe you're learning the fifth position or you're learning the whatever or you're learning this particular scale, whatever. You just apply it to something that makes sense in your head on your fretboard. And instead of going, well, now I got to do it in every position. No, no, no. Just learn to use it. So when you jam, you can use it. Like it's really there. It becomes a part of your playing. So next month, you're a different player than you were last month because of this concept. Not the... Okay, I'm going to run it through the math machine, and I'm going to do it in every position and all this sort of thing, and then you wind up never using it anyway, because it's just it just becomes white noise. So you got to be careful with that stuff. That's that's what I want you to think about. Okay. So Jack, hopefully that that answers your question. I'm not sure if you're out there, Jack, but if it does, um, but if you are, I hope that answers your question. Okay. So Dave says, Steve, any chance you guys can come out with a practice with practice videos from total beginner to total master? I now have so many courses and so much material, I'm lost and don't know where or what to practice. <laughs> Help her brother out. Dave, I don't know if you're out there, um, but let me talk to, to you about that because that totally fits into what I'm saying right now. Okay, for everybody on this call, if you have, I don't even know, more than four of my guitar courses, don't buy any more. Don't buy any more for now. Okay, you're done. You're cut off. <laughs> too many, too many drinks. No soup for you. Okay, organize what you got and start working with it. Okay, I appreciate it and and I think it's awesome, but I I don't want you confused. Okay, I I want you to find a path that makes makes sense to you. Okay, so I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't I don't use terms like guitar master or guitar, you know, mastery is always a word that just scares me. I know it's a, it's a marketing term and I understand the, the, the visual of what mastery means, but I, I just try to avoid the term mastery as much as I can, because I don't really even know what that means myself. Like every day I play and I practice and I, I'm, I'm very happy with the way I play, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm done. It just, it never ends. Like this whole thing just never ends. So if you are a total beginner, somebody had said, uh, play guitar for life. If you are a total beginner, Dave, and you own play guitar for life, I would use play guitar for life for sure. Because the first thing you need to do is you need to start with just basics. You need to learn how to make music, right? Just make music. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You've got to learn to groove. You've got to learn to play songs, right? Right, whatever it is. You've got to learn to make these two hands and this brain kind of jive with each other And learning how to play chords and learning how to strum and learning how to feel things. You know, I teach these classes right now, like I'd mentioned earlier, and they're eight weeks long. And then usually we go on to like, you know, half the class or whatever, we'll go on to subsequent classes and we'll just kind of keep going. And it takes them a good, you know, I don't know, six months to really start kind of coming together with this whole rhythm, groove, playing songs thing. But once they get it, they, they, they own real power in playing. You know what I mean? That's huge. You know, before you ever worry about theory and scales and all these things, I'm not saying you can't explore those things, but just always remember the phrase lost in the woods or or, lost in the weeds, right? However you want to think of it. Inundated with too much information, right? You got to find something that can help you. If you own like Play Guitar for Life, it really does go through all of the essentials of, you know, Chording and strumming and rhythm and blues and soloing and theory, all kind of broken down for you. Um, and then its intention then is, is as you're going through it, if you decide you want to study more blues or you want to study more something, as you get further down the line, you can, right? But, but you've got to start organizing yourself so you're not just all over the place. Um, And I know it's hard. Listen, I'm a hypocrite because I'm saying that to you and I've been playing my whole life and I've been doing the exact same thing. But I think my biggest progress was when I started going, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to have a centralized focus of what I'm going to try and accomplish in six months or a year or whatever that might be. When I was younger, it was always speed. It was always technique because that's the kind of music I played and I was in college and, you know, playing in all these kind of high proficiency bands And um, what I didn't study was singing. What I didn't study was piano. What I didn't study was, you know, songwriting. You know, my songwriting stuff came much later, probably a good 10 years after I was out of college. And there's all these other things I could have really kind of culminated in my playing that I didn't do um, because I was so stuck on just one track, you know. So you got to be you got to be careful about that. Um, okay. So let's see what we got over here. So <laughs> I'm addicted. Well, listen, I, it's not like I don't, I, I mean, I, there isn't a guitar magazine that doesn't come out that I don't wind up buying and studying. And you know, I, I do the same thing, but what I've learned to do is I, I get off the internet. I, uh, and I just do it for my sanity. I do it for my family, just all the way around. Like if I get it, a piece of information that really speaks to me that I can use, I don't keep looking for more information. I shut it all down and I start jamming with it. I start trying to learn how to use it. Okay? Just something to think about. It
0: if you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to GuitarZoom.com. Now back to the podcast. Uh,
1: Brad says, in my opinion, everybody is looking for a quick fix and it just doesn't exist. It doesn't. Um, We all have to go through the process to get better focus on one course, one instructor, and see where that gets you. I think that's a really great statement, Brad. And um, yeah, and just you've got to learn... You've got to learn how much of different categories that you can take in. And again, this is, I don't want to just talk the whole time, but just really understand that it can't just be about you pulling in, you know, I'm spending 30 minutes on theory and then I'm spending 18 minutes on this. I I just think you got to find things that get you excited. Join a band. You know, even if it's just three of you sitting around in a basement, making a bunch of noise and drinking a couple beers... It'll give you, like, here's, here's a prime example. I should have talked about this before. I, it's so awesome. I've got this class right now that just finished up out here in Kindred, just a little class. And the, the, the youngest kid, I think he's eight. And the oldest person, I think, is almost 70. And what we did was they've all been playing at different, they're all at different levels, completely different levels. So what I did was I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to perform. You're all going to perform together. So we chose a song and I chose Sweet Child of Mine, not because it's the greatest song on the planet, but because it has something for everybody. If you're just a strummer, you can play chords. If you're learning how to you know, visualize, you can play something like that. If you're learning how to solo, you might just be learning, you know, that kind of thing. Or there's jamming solos, improv solos. So they had eight weeks. They all had to prepare. And then this last Thursday... Yep. Last Thursday, they all performed and brought all their family and friends and everybody and they performed. So, you know, we just my my daughter sang and I played drums and and they were all just ecstatic. And there was one dad that came up to me and he's like, this was just an amazing experience. He goes, I've never practiced this much. And, you know, I had a reason to practice and all these sorts of things. He was just all excited. And of course, I told him, I said, well, now that this is over, the way to maintain that excitement is you got to find some people to hang out with and make some music, even if it's not on stage, even if it's not in front of an audience, you got to find a way to keep going this so you can enjoy it. So when you walk away, it isn't just, golf, oh, darn it, I suck at this. It's that was really fun. And now what can I do to make that better? What can I make that? So next time we get together, it's something is better. That's what I want you to think about. Okay. It's just really important. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Just hold on a second. I'm going to try and get back to these just a little bit. And you don't, and don't think Mark, don't think of it as you have to join a band. It might just be some friends. Like, you know, in what I do, I tend to draw out the, the, um, I'll call them closet guitar players. All these players that are, are not, they're not ready to start being in a band and all that kind of stuff, but they like playing. And what I love about it is they wind up trusting me enough to where they'll they'll come to one of my classes and we'll all hang out and we'll play together. And then some of them will start kind of hanging out with each other. And maybe that's enough. You know, maybe that's enough. So who, who am I to say? I'm just saying that we, we tend to make this into something that I don't think it needs to always be. If you're a hardcore player and you play nine hours a day and you do all these things, God bless you. I think it's awesome. And and I wish you all the best. I just think most people don't have that kind of time to practice because they're in school or they have a job or they have four jobs and they have kids and they have whatever. You just got to be realistic about this stuff and figure out where you need to be in there. And that doesn't mean you don't need to keep getting better. Of course you do. Just don't be unreasonable. Just don't stick yourself in a pit that makes you feel like crap every time you pick up the guitar, because what good's that going to do you? It's not gonna help you at all. Okay? Let's see here. Paul says, Why do I forget everything when I go to solo with my band? It's frustrating. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're, 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 when it comes time to solo, if you're like a lot of people, all of a sudden you got 7,000 things that are overwhelming you because you're like, well, here's my big chance. I got nine seconds to solo. So then you're just trying to do all these things as opposed to just servicing the song. Just serve the song, right? And, and you can prep, right? Here's the other thing that people don't realize about soloing. Everything doesn't have to be improv. What a shocker. Everything doesn't have to be thought of impromptu. You can actually rehearse. You can practice. You can plan. Maybe you plan out the entire solo. Maybe you plan out 50% of the solo. Maybe you just do what I call plotting points, which is just, here's my main key elements I'm gonna do in this solo, and the rest of it I'm just gonna kind of connect. The further I go down that line, the more confident I have to be in myself, right? Because I'm, I'm exposing myself to more freedom of soloing, of improvisation. But I don't have to go, I'm not gonna think about the key, I'm not gonna think about what scale would work. John Petrucci from Dream Theater would never do something like that, right? He'll plan what he needs to do. Cetriani will plan what he needs to do as best he can. But most people don't just walk into a situation blindly and go, oh, it's a jazz whatever in the key of B flat. And you know, y- you've got time to figure it out. So instead of you know thinking, well, here comes this solo and I've got 75 ideas, narrow it down to two or three ideas. And then in the next song, use two or three other ideas, right? And start kind of trying to figure that out. But have that safety net of your fretboard in whatever capacity that is. One position, two positions, three positions. I mean, whatever, pentatonic, diatonic. But don't try and expel all of your hardest stuff, all the stuff that's not yet fully absorbed on stage, because it's not going to work, right? Use the confidence stuff when you're on stage. Okay. Um, So anyway, think about that a little bit. Okay. Scott says, drummer learning guitar here, and I'm in a band, but playing drums. How much time to spend on exercises? Well, it depends on, again, that's that question. Depends on what exercises you're trying to do you know every day the the first thing that i do is i go through rudimentary stuff if you want to call that exercises like i'll do a lot of legato stuff hammer-ons pull-offs all those things to get my fingers warmed up because without that i got nothing no matter how good my picking is if my left hand isn't up to par with the things i want to do it's not going to work okay so then after I've done some warm up like that and I might do that and again I'm different than you I've been doing this longer but you know I might spend a good 20 30 minutes just doing some warm up like that and um, and then what I'll do is I'll start trying to just warm up my right hand and I might play through some songs right play through different songs that that require a bit more effort of my right hand to kind of get that going a little bit And then I'll start trying to put the two together and that's where I'll start building things <laughs> Right, just trying to build stuff together. You know, and, and I'll start working those out. You know, try and tighten everything or loosen everything up because it's really tight. And just kind of work through that stuff. So it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know what your day looks like. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what other stuff you're practicing. But there's no doubt that exercises should be a part of your day. Exercises just shouldn't be your entire day. You know, you play drums, you know how important groove is. I've played with drummers that have incredible chops, but they have no sense of groove. They have no sense of feel, they can keep time, but they can't lay down a groove where you go, wow, I need to play with that. Those are two different kinds of things, okay? Um, Okay, Pete says, is it necessary to actually buy pedals to use on stage or can we just use our amp settings? Well. Pete, you know the answer to that. Of course you don't have to buy pedals. I mean, if your amp works fine and your amp has everything you need, you're golden. Um everybody's different on the the effects and all that sort of thing. I'm pretty straightforward. I like a little delay, a little reverb and I'm fine. I don't try and replicate tones. I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I I play everything with the sounds I get. So and you know, you I'm sure you've seen videos of me talking about tone and things, but the big thing for me is I've got to be able to. I try and manipulate my tones a lot with my guitar. So if I want something that's. I can always bump it up. But I can always drop back and get the sounds I want that way. So it's not just about how many pedals I'm using, I'm, not, I'm just using this tone that's got a little delay and a little reverb and I can get all the rest of this from that. Maybe not a perfectly clean sound, right? So I usually try and have a, a, an amp that has a couple of different patches on it or presets so I can get a clean sound and a crunch sound or whatever it might be. But my guitar does a lot of the work. So that's how I approach it. So do you need to buy pedals? No, and as a matter of fact, if you're not used to playing pedals and you try and play on stage and you got nine pedals, you're just gonna confuse yourself. You gotta get used to using pedals, where a lot of times it's just nice to jump on stage and just bash a little bit, you know? And again, if you need to build a couple of different presets with an amp, you know, whatever that amp is, that's okay. I've never used more than, I mean, I I always build four presets with, if, if I have the capability with the amp that I have. I'll build a clean and a crunch and a rock, and then I'll have a lead. And the lead usually is a little bit louder and it has a little more delay or reverb on it. And then I almost never use it. I just wind up using the the third channel most of the time. So I live most of the time in the second and third channels because the crunch channel, like this is my crunch channel. But I can drop that back. And get as clean as I need. I don't need to be crystal clean. see and that works just fine for me but it doesn't give me enough oomph to play you know anthrax or something so that's what i can go here and get into a little bit heavier tone see and i can get a little a little more of what i'm looking for out of that so that's kind of how i set it up so no you don't you don't have to and you just said in your your comment there pete that you're totally happy with your amp settings and the sounds then you're good then you're better than most people because you're actually happy with the sounds that you're getting, okay? Dwayne says, 56 years old, love your pro program. Uh, when I play, my fingers go numb. Is that because I'm resting my arm on the guitar? Well, it could be. I mean, there, there's a number of different reasons that that can happen. Um, if you're resting your arm, you must be talking about this hand. Um, the most important thing for me is trying to make sure that I stay as loose as possible when I play. But you know if you're playing a, a body that has like a sharp point on it like let's say you're playing an acoustic or something I could see how that could possibly happen. Um but make sure that you're stretching out, you know, doing stuff like that. Like I had carpal tunnel syndrome on both uh surgery on both my hands. And um before I had the surgery, my hands used anytime my hands would be, you know, up or or whatever, I had to put them down all the time to try and get blood flow. If I ever did something like this, they would hurt. Um so like this hand would would get really numb whenever I was doing stuff like this, and um, yeah. Anyway, so so just you want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself too. You know, I do a lot of stretching throughout the day, you know, things like that, trying to stretch out my wrists, stuff like that. Um, let's see here. Rick says, "Hey Steve, when I play faster, the pick in my hand turns. What can I do so that won't happen?" Well. Rick, it tends to happen until you get better at it because I used to have the same thing and now that never happens. But I used to drop the pick or the pick would turn, you know, and then I have to try and get it back. That doesn't ever happen anymore, but but it used to. But there are a couple things you could try other than just more practice and just being really aware of the the angle at which you're playing. Because if you're playing at a certain angle, you might be pushing that pick backward too. Um, So you could think about that a little bit, but you could try some picks that have more grip on them. You know, get the ones that, um, here, let me, I don't know if you can see this, but like these are my hawk picks. Okay. And you'll notice they have this thing here. And then the, my, my signature actually is indented as well. So it's really easy to grab on and hold on to with that. So that's what I like about it is it it, it grips really easy. Um, now I don't I don't need those, but but it makes it nice. And some will have a grip, some will have sort of a chalky substance. Um, Jack says monster grips help him. There's lots of things that you can do. Yeah, there's lots of different kinds of picks out there that you could try to see if that helps you a little bit. But I also guarantee you that the longer you play, the easier that gets. It'll It'll be easier to to hold on to and it won't move as much. But remember, any disruptance that you have, if you start playing um, standing up, right and you're not used to that or you know you're playing a different technique that you've never really tried lots of different things will happen if it's something that's kind of new to your normal routine if it's not the same thing or you change you know the setting of your where your guitar is when you're standing up or whatever it might be um but i guarantee you the longer you do it the easier that's going to get for you okay and thanks for the comments by the way i'm i'm really glad you guys help each other out that's awesome Let's see here. Michael says, Hey Steve, I would like to know if you have any, have backing tracks that don't have you playing guitar in them so that rather we could play guitar in the truck. Well, yeah, we have tons of backing tracks where it's just chords in the background with no soloing. Tons and tons of them. Um, I don't know what's available on the website, but most of the time in our guitar courses, in my guitar courses, there's, there's always jam tracks. And then we've actually sold jam track packs Um, and those, none of those have, you know, actual solos. They're just the chords in the background. Sometimes they even have just drum tracks, but, but there are things that we have available for that. I'm, I'm just, I can't, I've created so much stuff. I don't know which ones do and which ones don't have jam tracks, but, um, Jack says I've tried many times, many times, different grippy picks and monster grips are 10 times better than the best grippy pick I tried. Yeah. I mean, everybody's different that way for me. Um, (coughs) I have a lot of ticks when I'm playing <laughs> anyway, like when I'm playing on stage. So everything has to be so exact for me, like the my the position of my guitar strap and where the neck is and the pick and all those kind of things. So I like to be able to readjust very quickly when needed. Um and so I don't like anything stuck. So that's one of my things with picks. But again, it means nothing. We're all different. So we're we're trying to find um, what works best for, for Rick or for Jack or for whoever, right? Um, where for me that doesn't work because if I accidentally didn't really have it in the right space and I'm trying to play, then all I'm thinking about in my, my brain while I'm on stage is moving that pick and I, I can't get it out of my head and, uh, welcome to my brain. So anyway, uh, let's keep going here. Michael says, uh, Oh, if you're having any problems with the the and Rick says, please cancel my subscription to the VIP club. I I can't. That isn't. And I want you guys all to understand that I don't work in that. To, I, I know it might seem like Guitar Zoom is a is a we are a fairly small entity, no doubt about it. But I don't work with like I don't. I wouldn't know how to cancel a subscription if 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 I tried. I don't even know what software they use for. All those kinds of things you have to get a hold of customer support and um, I'm also going to say this too the customer support team here at Guitar Zoom is amazing. They're amazing people. Um, they don't always sometimes it takes a little time to fix problems that you might be having with with certain things. They're only human, right And what we find a lot and I'm just letting you all know this, if you have more than one email with us, like if you got something free with one email and then you got something free with another, the problem is, is it all gets very confusing for them because there's a whole lot of people on this planet. So try and make sure you only have one email with us. And if you have any problems, let customer support know. But our customer support team, I think, is like seven people. So they're not available 24 hours a day You know, in three minutes. they're They're available every day at normal business hours. And um, I don't know if they work on weekends or not. I, I would hope they wouldn't because I, I, you know, most of them have kids and, you know, regular lives like the rest of us do. So, it, yeah. So if you have a problem, make sure that you, if you need to cancel, I think that's awesome. But, but customer support has to do that. Um, you know, I, I just can't be, and I don't even want to be in charge of that because I've got 85,000 things going on on my, side, on my side of things anyway. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Steven says, "Customer support super nice, always willing to work with you. Yeah, I mean, we, I, nobody on this Guitar Zoom staff has any intention of trying to rip somebody off, or boy, I can't wait so I can buy an extra happy meal, or you know, it, it has nothing to do with that. Um, the The point is, is that you guys need to be happy all the way around, and if you're not, get a hold of customer support and they'll do whatever they can to to make things work for you. So." Uh, Mark says, have to place, replace the strap buttons, which I'm not happy about. Oh, I must have missed something else earlier there. Yeah, and I always use the Shaler strap locks. That's what I use for everything. And, uh, you know, I get them super glued in there so they won't ever come out. Ivan has already put these on, and they obviously put them on nice and tight because there's no movement on these at all, which is great because the worst thing you can have is you're on stage, and one of those things comes loose and down goes your guitar. Um, so check your strap locks often, Okay you know, just double check them, you know, every month or so, make sure that they haven't loosened up on you for any reason. So, and if you're scared to use super glue in your, in your, where your strap locks go, then you want to check them even more often. Okay. Let's see here. Douglas says, when talking about pentatonic, you say it wraps around in progression down the neck. One to four, three of one to threes, and then one to four Gosh, I don't know what that means. Move up, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, four, one, four, one, two, three. That's only five strings. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that, Douglas. So Douglas says, when talking about pentatonic, you say it wraps around in progression down the neck. Oh, maybe you mean this. There's always, like if I play in A minor pentatonic, I'll see if this is what you mean, Douglas. <laughs> So for instance, when I do that, if I if I understand that my sixth string and my first string are the same string, so I'm gonna eliminate my sixth string entirely. So what I actually have is three groups of one three and two groups of one four. And the entire fretboard is covered with one three, one three, one three, one four, one four, the entire fretboard. It's just how it splits it up, but it's always in that order. So if you look, if I go to the next position of A minor pentatonic, I have one three, and then one four, one four. Well, this one three is the last one three. It's an octave of that. So this this second position here would start with a one three and then it goes to one four, one four. So then guess what comes afterward? The one three, one three. And then one three again, which is an octave, right? So if I eliminate this sixth string, you'll see I got one four, one four, one three, one three, one three, one three. right? So one three. Those are octaves. Okay? So no matter where you go on the fretboard, if I go to the next position I've got one three one three one three, one four one four. And then a one three left over. Okay, if I go to the next position I got one four one four and then one three one three one three. You see that? So it, it, it overlaps all the way around with that same grouping. It's just it might look a little different because some of the top is falling off. Right. If that makes sense, because it's not it's it's not a perfect symmetrical instrument that way. But it always works that way where you're going to have three groups of one, three and two groups of one, four. OK. Let's see here. Let me. There we go. Let's see, are there going to be more acoustic guitar lessons added to the course? Michael, which course are you talking about? If you mean the clubs, yeah, there's going to be more stuff coming to the clubs as well um, for acoustic guitar. If that's what you mean, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but that might be what you mean, okay? Alan says, sometimes you use the E shape in bar chords and sometimes you use the A shape. How do I know which one to use? You don't unless it's different octaves. Like if I play uh, C here and C here, I'd use whatever makes logical sense with whatever else is going on with the song, right? But but it wouldn't matter which one I use. Now a different example would be if I used F and F, you know, you'll hear there's an octave difference. This F is low and this uh, F is higher. So that might make a decision, but that's again, based on me, right? W- what I want. Maybe the song that you're trying to learn wants a particular voicing of, of F, like a lower, a lower octave or a higher octave. You know, whatever it might be. But if you're jamming with people, again, I don't know what your circumstance is, but if you're jamming with people, whatever, whatever. If I see somebody's playing the low one off and I'll wind up playing the high one and different things like that, so. Okay, cool. Um, James says, "Do you plan to make any tutorials for bass guitar? Not at this point, but we've talked about it. Drums, bass, all those things would be really fun to do, but we haven't. We haven't decided that we're going to do something like that at this point." Um, Frank says, "Have you ever mic'd an amp before? Yes, a lot back in the day. I don't do it much anymore because it's just quicker to run, you know, a direct out and go into my stuff and play." Uh, what kind of mic would you recommend? Does it change the tone that much? Yeah, it changes the tone a ton. With a mic, it's not only the brand of mic. I mean, you could just get something generic like a 57 or, you know, get a, a nice ribbon mic or whatever it is that you, you want. But a 57 is nice and cheap and it's very useful. It's a great, you know, overall mic. Sorry. I can't search the... Oh, I don't know what that was, but um, it's a great mic to use for for just regular guitar tones. And with the 57, the nice thing is, is that, uh, you just throw it up next to the speaker and you can, where the sounds come in is where are you putting it on the cone? Are you putting it over the cone, side to the cone, you know, in, in the middle away from the cone, you know, I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can put it. and They're all going to sound different. When I do my recordings, whether I'm doing, you know, music that I'm, I'm writing or recording for someone, or I'm doing, you know, stuff for lessons like this, I don't, I don't have time in my brain wouldn't have, I, it'd be too much for me anyway. I don't want to sit and dwaddle with that stuff for an hour trying to figure out the best tone. I just want to record. Like when I got ideas for songs, I don't want to come into my studio and then sit for an hour and a half trying to figure out where to, where the mic placement should be. I just want to play. So, okay. So that's just some stuff to think about a little bit. It's, it's great, like if you go in the studio and you're actually doing recording, then it's different. But for stuff like this, I, I just don't use it anymore. Okay. Um, Oh, Mark says not a question today, but Steve asked who would be at Sweetwater gear fest, uh, for count of heads for Sunday. Mark says he's going to be there. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing you, Mark. I, um, once April comes around, uh, I'm just waiting for the month of Passover. And once April comes around, I'll book the, uh, the room for Sunday and um, my flight is already booked, so I'll already be there. But I'll book the room for us all to hang out on Sunday, and then start planning that. But my plan is to have it at the Hoppy Gnome. Hoppy, H-O-P-P-Y Gnome, G-N-O-M-E. If I can find the room big enough for everybody. So thank you, Mark, for letting me know that. Okay, everybody, take care. I've got another uh, session I got to get ready for at seven o'clock, which is in ten minutes. And uh, so thank you for everybody being here. You're awesome and hopefully this helped you and I will be posting it in the VIP very, very soon, okay? Uh, Mary has a bunch of question marks. It says, when strumming, does it make any difference if your strumming hand is closed like a loose fist or open with your fingers out? No, it really doesn't, but the big thing is to stay loose, Mary. When you you try and strum and things like that, just the more you can stay loose with your body, the more, you're going to have more feel in what you're doing and it's not going to feel so aggressive, right? So anytime you find yourself getting, you know, tight like this, when you play, just try and relax. Uh, Mark, there he is this Sunday. No, 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 no. This is in, uh, June 21st and 22nd or 22nd and 23rd or whatever it is. It's that weekend in June. Yep. Thank you, conservative. Yeah. So everybody take care and I'll talk to you soon and stay positive and keep practicing. Okay. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. Hey everybody, Steve here. So this is just a basic little practice thing that you can do to work on all seven of your modes, all in the first position, and kind of use uh, them to compare to each other so you can kind of see how everything works. There's a couple things I want to point out to you. One is a visual thing, and one is the uh, the modal comparison thing. So when, we, when I start off here, I'm just doing everything in the key of... C, okay, so I'm doing C major or C Ionian, right? So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? Major seventh is what I'm using here. And then I'm doing the octave. I'm just making a simple pattern that's gonna go all the way up and all the way back down. Now when I move to Dorian, I have to understand that Dorian is gonna be minor, right? I need that minor third with a major sixth. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Hey, Steve Stein here from guitarzoom.com and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor?